with me in your Bibles to Psalm 91. When you use a few Bible, it's page 424. This could be one of your favorite Psalms, I don't know. One love another. And I thought the Lord would direct us to share from the Psalm today. Resting in your shadow. I'm just going to read all 16 verses. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe it with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. And the Lord add his blessing in this scripture. Let's pray. We thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity of gathering together today. Now, Lord, we ask that you just guide our thoughts, what we would share today, Lord. You know what we need to hear. And I just pray that our hearts would be open and attuned to your word. Lord, as we sit here in the comforts of our church, I think of those down in the Carolinas today that have been dealing with floodwaters and raging winds and destruction. Lord, we do pray for every one of them, especially those families that have lost loved ones. Would you be with them and comfort them? Lord, through this time, may you Help people to give their lives to you, put their trust in you. So, Lord, just keep your hand upon those dear ones there. And then we think of Brian and Michelle Myers and their ministry there in New Mexico. Ask the Lord to bless this now as it's beginning. Uh, these men that will be coming to rehab, I believe the one man said he's only been out of prison two weeks. Lord, help them to see truth in your word that it would be life changing they can go out and live prosperous lives. Bless Ryan, Ryan and Rochelle and their family. And the, the, the load that they carry, Lord, just meet their every need. Now guide us, we pray. Touch each life for your name's honor and glory. In Jesus' worthy name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Resting in his shadows, it speaks of safety and protection for all those that put their trust in God, Jehovah. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, how many trust the Lord, I think every hand would go up. 
I heard it said one time, a good check in your life, whether you truly are, is how do you react when a, a problem or a real test comes into your life? Do you run to the Lord and ask for his help, or do you try to think of how can I figure this out and make this work, or do I call my neighbor? Something to think about. What's interesting to me is we read through this uh, Psalm 91, how he changes the use of pronouns down through the verses. He starts out with the third person, he who trusts. He who trusts. He's speaking of anyone who is seeking the wisdom of God. The blessings of godliness and the pursuit of wisdom are for all of those who seek God and want him to have the, the highest and greatest part good in your life. What an encouragement to all of us there in verse 2. Did you see where he says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. That's, that's bringing you right home, isn't it? First person. Do we confess that to others, that he is our God, our refuge? I trust so, our fortress. Some 15 years ago, I was pastoring in Belleville, and I was in the parsonage that day, and the doorbell rang. My office was in the house, not up at the church at that time. And so I went to the door, and here were these two young, handsome young fellows, all dressed in their white shirt and ties, and I sort of thought I had an idea who they were. And sure enough, they were Mormon missionaries. But I wanted that day to share Christ's love to those guys. Because I know for a fact many times they have doors slammed in their faces. So I tried to be extra kind, uh, stood in God's authority, His word, shared what salvation I believe God has for us. And these two young men were very polite and they listened carefully. And as I recall, at the end of our conversation, I asked them, Could I pray with you, fellas? And they said, Yes. We know you can say an awful lot of prayer. And I prayed that somehow the Lord would break through these boys, these young men's hearts, that they would truly know Jesus as their Savior. When we shook hands and said goodbye, I said, fellas, it's my hope that someday we'll meet together in heaven. And they smiled and walked them up to my neighbor's house after house. But it was a Wednesday. That evening I went to prayer meeting, and here was this little blue note on the door. Much to my chagrin, I lost that note this week. Somehow. <laughs> I wanted to share with you exactly what it said. But on that note, it said something like this. Pastor John, thank you for the love, kindness, and consideration you've shown us. We don't get this very often. May God bless you. And I would look at that note over the years, different times, I would, and I would pray, Lord, you alone know where those two young guys are today. And right now I'm saying, Lord, wherever they are, I pray they know you as their Savior. I believe that kindness speaks louder than criticism or judgment. God calls us to confidence. We serve a creator God of power as well as of enduring love as a covenant God. And this all comes together in his confession there in verse 2. My my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. I think of the word refuge in my mind, an image comes up of a little bird that's tucked safely under the mother's wings. I'm sure that you 
I've seen pictures of a mother hen and her little chicks. I remember my father, we grew up on a poultry farm now. Uh, I was the one that raised them, the mother and the hen, the chicks. My dad would buy the chicks in by the truck load. Guess where? Mount Joy. Bring up all of his chickens. But I had this little flock of chickens of my own, and I would let them sit on the eggs, you know, those cooks. You go to move. Okay, I'm going to let you sit there. I forbid we had the little chicks running around. So there is an image of refuge that I think we all can understand. The fortress, it denotes a stronghold, maybe a, a military installation. But who may enjoy the hospitality and protection of God? Those that put their trust in Him. Those that are walking on the path of wisdom. Now notice verse 3. He says, for he will. Do you know that God wants to be involved in your welfare? He cares about you today, everyone. God, Jehovah, knows your name. He knows where you live. He has your address. You're special to him. I say praise the Lord. Again, he goes on to further explain nature's protection. Yahweh's care is both tender and sufficient because of his faithfulness and it's true to each one, his people. And then in verses 5 through 7, his protection extends both day and night. He never sleeps. He's constantly looking our way. I appreciate God's protection in daytime, but I think I almost appreciate more in the nighttime. Why would I say that? How many times do things look more bleak and desperate? Do you ever sense that? Are you with me? Sure. I think it's sort of part of our human nature. When you can't do anything about it anyways, so you lie there, the devil just wants you to worry about it. That's why we need to put our trust in our refuge. Our fortress, go into that fortress. He gives protection from all kinds of fear and believing we live in a world that is full. He refers there to the arrow, the pestilence, the destruction. And many in that day understood what he was talking about. And I believe it is yes as well in our day. But the Canaanite mythological background taught them that their goddess. R-E-S-H-E-P-H was a goddess of the archers and brought trouble upon their enemies. I think that's why he's talking about that arrow. But our God, Jehovah, my friends, is more powerful than any made-up goddess in mythology. Notice there verses 9 and 10. He declares that if you make God the Most High your dwelling place, you can trust in him. Bible Bible commentary says this, the Lord does not guarantee that no evil will befall those who trust in him, but that all who find refuge will find with confidence that whatever happens on earth is with God's knowledge. Nothing happens outside of his will, whether it is harm, evil, disaster, disease, or whatever. His grace is sufficient for whatever we're called to do. Do I hear an amen? 
That's the God we serve. He's going to be there for you, no matter what life may bring your way. I've had people ask me already, Pastor, why do some people suffer more than others? I think that's a million-dollar question. I don't have an answer for that. Some people can go through life and seemingly have no problems whatsoever. I had a great aunt that was in her 90s, hardly sick a day in her life. And she just slept away one day. The doctor said she just wore out. And then others at a young age are walking with walkers or a cane or having to have a lot of uh, medicine and so forth. We don't understand why that happens. Now, yes, sometimes the choices we make certainly do affect our health, and I trust that we would make wise choices. But even beyond that, it seems like sickness can, can strike out of nowhere. But it is not out of his will. He's promised to be there for us and see us through. Then in verses 11 through 13, he refers to what he, he permitted his only son, Jesus, to go through. He suffered that we can live. As his children, we know that no power is out of God's control. We try to act responsibly as we trust our Heavenly Father in all things. Friends, don't ever try to test God uh, to see to what extent he may deliver you from your troubles. The devil tested Jesus one day. He took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and says, throw yourself down, and then they'll know that you're God. He knew the angels were catching or whatever. But he was tempted to act uh, ahead of the schedule. Jesus knew the day would come that, yes, he would die for the world. And they would know that he was the Son of God. And so, you know that scripture, he quickly rebuked the devil for his foolish schemes. And neither should any of us as humans ever try to tempt the Lord in anything. God has the power to, to commend him or command his angels to protect if that's his plan for us. You and I have often heard of how God came through it and worked a miracle protection for some, and yet not others. Read Hebrews chapter 13. You can see it there. And now in verses 14 through 16, the Lord announces his salvation to all who love him and those who acknowledge his name. You know, when we love the Lord, it goes so much deeper than what human love does. I love my wife with all my heart. But God's a godly love even so much greater than even human love as we know. We have a deep longing and a desire for his fullness, his daily presence, all the redemption that he gives to us. We owe him a call. This relationship is one of communion. You think of all the answers to prayer, the honors and rewards you for wise living. And then you can pillow your head at night without any condemnation or fear. He assures us that his very own will enjoy themselves as his children, yes, in this life, but also in the life to come. And so the Christian life is the very best life to live. We're winners either way you look at it. 
Notice how the psalmist ends up verse 16. They will see his salvation. One observed it this way. The Lord assures us that is, it is grounds for confidence that the last word is not spoken by us, but to, to us. Psalm 90, verse 10, God promises three score and ten. That's 70 years old. I remember when I hit 35, I thought, well, now I'm halfway. Get pretty close to the other end. <laughs> but I don't think that he specifically was setting a number there, uh, but he wants us to realize the brevity of life. People younger than us have died. I remember my dear old grandma used to say the old must die the young men die. And it certainly grieves our hearts when a child uh, dies and we think of the whole life that was ahead of them. But God's in control of all of that. And so death, we know, will come to every one of us someday. You may have heard us say the statistic is one-on-one. It's coming. So let's live a life free of sinful habits and indulgence of the world that Satan would tempt us with. Let's put God first and watch the dividends, the dividends both now and eternity pay off. Matthew Henry's commentary says, He that by faith chooses God for his protector shall find in him all that he needs or can even desire. Isn't that wonderful? As believers, we have this great security, this promise to us. Yes, even in the midst of danger. I heard it said, there are no unbelievers in a foxhole. The bullets are whizzing. Men are praying. Someone has said it this way, wisdom shall keep us from being afraid without cause, and faith shall keep us from, do, from being unruly So whatever happens, whatever is done, we know the Heavenly Father, His will is going to come to pass and we have no reason to fear. Can you say, Lord, you have all my tomorrows. My life is in your hands. I don't have to worry and fret what's coming down the road because you're already there. You can see it and you're going to be helping us when we get to that point. So as believers, let's encourage each other to put our total, complete trust in God. Jesus paid the highest cost for our salvation. And he asks that we give him our all. And he asks that we give him our best. Give your best to the master. Whatever he desires of us. I said, Lord, forgive me for those times it was only second best. I could have done more. Done better. Reminds me of a true story that happened during the Civil War. William Scott was a soldier in the Northern Army fighting for the Union. He'd been awake for more than 48 hours and he was on guard duty and he fell asleep. That was a critical breach in security of troops as an enemy could have crept in and killed men as they were sleeping. And so William Scott was court-martialed and sentenced to be shot. Someone brought the news to President Abraham Lincoln. 
just days before the execution was to take place. And so the, the president felt he wanted to come and interview this young soldier. He got there just one day before it was to be carried out. So he went to this young soldier, he sat with him, he interviewed him, asked him many, many questions. And he was convinced that William Scott was a good, loyal soldier. Finally, he put his hand on William's shoulder and he said, My boy, you're not going to get shot. I believe you when you say you couldn't stay awake. I'm going to trust you and send you back into your company. Now, you put me to a lot of trouble, so how do you think you can repay me for all my efforts? The young man tried his best to thank the president. How much he appreciated the second chance. And he said, I'll give you all the money I have in the bank back home. Oh, the president said, that that would never cover it. Well, I have a farm. I'll mortgage the farm. Now, the bill's bigger than that. The debt is greater. He said, it's a large bill. Your friends cannot pay for it. All your money in the bank and mortgaging your farm won't be able to take care of it. You alone can pay the debt. If from this day forward you do your duty as a good soldier, so that if I am present when you die, you can say to me, I've kept my promise. I've done my best as a soldier. Then the debt was paid. The promise was given and nobly kept. William Scott went on to be a wonderful soldier. He did his best, but they came to battle where he was mortally wounded. And as he lay there dying, he called somebody to his side. He said, would you take a message to the president for me? Tell President Lincoln that I have never forgotten his kindness. I've kept my promise. I want to thank him for giving me a chance to die like a good soldier instead of meeting death at the hands of my comrades. Friends, this morning, there's not one of us here can ever repay. God has provided for us through Jesus on Calvary's cross. All he asks of us is that we would open our hearts and invite him in. Then we can lovingly serve him all the days of life that he gives us. And when we meet him at the end of life and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of your Lord, what he has prepared for you. Then we can be satisfied. Praise the Lord. The worship team is coming now. Let's stand together.